You doing okay? Good. Right on. It's good to see you guys. Good to see you. Okay, so this week, I heard a story about a pet store delivery truck going down the road. All right, and every stoplight he came to, he would run to the back of the truck, grab a two by four, and he started beating on the truck. Well, you, you imagine people were like stopping and started to follow this guy, like, what is he doing at every stoplight? But nobody could figure it out what he was doing. So finally, somebody was brave enough to ask him, because if you see a guy getting out of a truck with a two by four hitting the, the, his truck, you're like, man, I'm not talking to that guy, right? But finally, somebody got out and said, hey, what are you doing? He said, this is only a two-ton truck, and I'm carrying four tons of canaries. I've got to keep two tons of them in the air at all time. When I heard that, I thought, that's a picture of life. That's how many of us are living, right? You got canaries? Come on, let's admit, we got some canaries in our life. We're trying to put up there and beat on that thing. So many of us are like that. Many of you are beating the side of yourself, trying to keep it all in the air and from it all crashing down. You see, we have a, all have a tendency to get stuck in life. We get stuck in relationships. We get stuck in habits. We get stuck in grief over the loss of a loved one. We get stuck in anger. We get stuck in work or in a sexual relationship. And then we can't get out of it. And it's this cycle, the cycle we get stuck in. And once you get stuck, you start feeling guilty because you get stuck, right? And you say, I wish I could get out of this, but I can't. And then you have a lot of guilt after you can't get out of it and can't change. And then it becomes anger because you say, I should be able to change this. I can't change my circumstance. And you're angry at yourself. I ought to be able to get out of this, but you don't. And then your anger turns to fear. I'm never going to get out of this. It's got control of me. Then your fear eventually turns to depression and you start feeling sorry for yourself and having a pity party and you resign saying, I give up. I can't change. And you start the cycle all over again, right? Until you get stuck. So how do we break out of that stuckness? If that's a real word. Or how do we get unstuck? Another not real word, but you know what I mean, right? That's why we're doing this series, Celebrate Recovery. So here's the first thing, and I'm rewording the steps a little bit. But step one is we have to admit it. We have to admit we even have a problem. Most of us can't even get to this part. It's the reality step. Step two is the hope step. I love this step. This is what we heard about on Easter, that Jesus sees you and he cares. He knows what's in your life right now, and he doesn't condemn you. He says, come to me. I love that. Jesus sees us. See, we're not powerless when we have God. We're powerless until we have God. God has power and he's willing to help out. He knows everything that's going on in your life and he's offering to help you change. That's the hope step. I like that step a lot. And today is step three. You see, it's not just enough to know that God will help you. Many of us know that God will help us, but you're like, what's happening? Why does it not work and what's going on? You see, you've got to take action. You've got to make a decision. You have free will. You've got to walk across the line. And that gets us to step three. Consciously choose to commit my life and will to Christ's control and care. His care and control. You may have heard it this way, and I like how it goes. It says, let go and let God. Let go and let 
God, he has hope for you. Jesus says this in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. From my yoke, a yoke is what they put on oxen to steer it. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You're like, wait, a yoke? Jesus is saying put a yoke of, of slavery on me? What, what is this? Listen, you choose who you have freedom in. Freedom is your choice. It's your choice. Who do you go to? You see, it's God's open invitation, whether you're a believer or not. You see, Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, he's talking about himself. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But if you're like most of us, we're in the business of trying to look like we aren't stuck, right? Like we don't have canaries. But God is in the business of freedom. Listen, and Paul wrote about Jesus. He said, it is for freedom that Christ came to set us free. God isn't scratching his head saying, well, I told them I want freedom for them, but they might as well just have a few chains and just, you know, it's all good. I guess it's just not going to work out, so that's great. Listen, he's not like that. Our God is unchanging. He doesn't want his children dominated by anything. God wants you set free, period. He's never wavering in that. That's our God. But Jesus said, He's the only one that we can truly find freedom in. It's the son that sets you free. Listen, it's not religion. It's relationship, a relationship that he's offering. But you have to choose to come to him. So what keeps us from doing that? What keeps us from letting go? The first one is pride. I'm going to give you five things quickly about what keeps us from letting go. Pride will keep me from admitting I need help. Proverbs 18, 12 says, arrogant people, this verse holds no punches. I didn't even say that much here because I'm like, man, this verse is powerful. Arrogant people are on the way to ruin because they won't admit it when they need help. Are you trying to do it in your own strength? Listen, I I consider myself a humble person, but God this week showed me I wasn't. That was probably the first problem, thinking I was humble, right? Right? I have pride too. And God humbles us. Are you trying to do it in your own strength? The second thing is this, is guilt. I'm ashamed to ask God for help. Psalm 40, 12 says this, problems far too big. I love this because watch what he starts on there. Problems far too big for me to solve are piled higher than my head. Have you been there? Then I love it because David's like, let me set that aside because that's pretty bad. But meanwhile, listen to the verse. Meanwhile, I love that, my sins too many to count have all caught up with me, and I'm ashamed to look up. See, sometimes we're embarrassed or ashamed to ask God for help. You're like, well, you don't know all the things I've done wrong, how dark it is in there. I couldn't go to God and ask for help. You're wrong. You're dead wrong. There's no sin that God can't forgive. There's no sin that God can't forgive, and he wants to help you. Don't let pride or guilt keep you from taking this step. He wants to forgive you, and he wants to heal you of guilt. The next thing is fear. Fear, I'm afraid of what I'd have to give up. You ever been there with God? You're like, God, what are you going to do if if I ask you to help? Man, you're going to do all kinds of crazy things in my life. There's a, a story I love of a guy that falls off a cliff. Halfway down, he grabs a branch, a small branch, and he is hanging on for dear life. He's hanging on, and he looks down, and it's 
5,000 feet down, 500 feet, something crazy, and he looks up, and it's 500 feet, and he's looking, and finally he just cries out and says, if somebody's up there, please help me. And then God speaks. He hears the voice of God, and God says, this is the Lord. Trust me. Let go, and I'll catch you. Well, he looks down 500 feet, looks up 500 feet, looks at the branch, and he calls up, is there anybody else up there? You see, we're all like that, right? So often God is the last resort, and we're afraid to let go and let God. Some of you are hanging on for dear life by that branch and saying, this isn't bad. I don't have a problem. Everything's good. Give me a couple weeks, and I'll work it out. Maybe in a couple months. Listen, I've got control. I'm in control. There's a problem right there, isn't there? Maybe we're not fine. Maybe there is a problem. What are you afraid of if you commit your life to Christ? What are you afraid will happen if you give God care and control of your life? Some of you are like, man, he might make me a priest or a nun. Or maybe you'll say, I don't want anybody controlling me. Listen, who are you kidding? You're being controlled all the time. It's just that you choose who you're being controlled by when you let God control your life. You let Jesus put the yoke on you. He said his yoke is easy and light, and he offers freedom, true freedom. You see, we're all controlled by stuff, right? All the bad stuff. We're controlled by the opinions of other people. You're controlled by hurts you can't forget. You're controlled by habits and hang-ups, maybe by the way your parents brought you up. You're controlled by having stuff. Or how successful you are. And now I'm going to hit below the belt because I'm preaching to myself. Or how successful your kids are. How do you define that? See, Jesus said this. How does a man benefit if he gains the whole world and loses his soul in the process? Is anything worth more than his soul? Listen, do you know what freedom is? Freedom is choosing who controls you. We were at Sunny's the other day. Last week, and a song came on. It was an old Bob Dylan song. It was remade by somebody else, and it was, you got to serve somebody. Please tell me somebody else knows this, because I know this. So somebody else, thank you. But it was a remake of it, and he says, you got to serve somebody. It might be the devil, or it might be the Lord. Don't be disillusioned. Don't be illusion. Don't fall under the illusion that somebody's not controlling you. You either give your life to Christ, or the Bible says, the Bible says you're a slave to, to Satan and to the world. Real freedom is choosing who your master will be. So what are you afraid of? What are you holding back? Are you thinking, I can't let go of this in order to give my life to God? I need this? Maybe it's a relationship, an ambition, a habit, a lifestyle, a possession. If you've been afraid to open your life to the care and control of Christ, you figure he'll make you some fanatic or some nut, or I have to give up blank. You fill in the blank of what you might have to give up. Listen, don't worry about the specifics of what you might have to give up. Don't worry about that. If you focus on the specifics, you'll never make the greater decision, which is the step of recovery. Just come to Jesus. Say, God, I don't even know what I got to give up, but I know I want you in my life. I want you to be under your control and give it to God. Freedom is choosing who controls you. The next thing is worry. Number four, I confuse the decision phase with the problem-solving phase. That sounds weird, but how many of you are like me? I do this all the time. I want to know the end from the beginning, right? Before I start something, if I'm going to step out, is disaster around the corner? I don't know. I want to be safe, right? We want to make the most controlled decision we can. 
See, usually we want it to work out before we take the first step. I want to know the end from the beginning, and then I'll make a decision. But see, you make the decision first, and then you solve the problems. If you wait for all the stoplights to turn green first, you'll never go anywhere. You'll be there the whole time. Somebody's going to rear-end you because you'll be there forever. You can't solve the problems first. You make the decision. You choose Christ. You've got doubts, questions, fears, worries. You don't know how it's going to work out, but it's the right thing to do. Come to Jesus. And here's the most important thing I'll say today. The Christian life is a decision followed by a process. Same with recovery. It's a decision followed by a process. I like to say it this way. Jesus came to save our souls, but he didn't just come to save your soul. He came to heal your soul. How many of us open up our lives to him and let him heal our souls? Number five is doubt. I want to believe, but my faith just seems so small. Look at what the Bible says. It says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, it was the smallest seed, and it will become the biggest tree. It says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, nothing, nothing, no thing will be impossible for you. Listen, it's not the size of your faith that matters. It's the size of what you put in it. It's the size of your God. Is he the God of the Bible? You can have a giant faith. Man, the the world has a lot of people that apply their mind to something. They have faith in something. They do great things. But listen, true freedom. When you have a giant faith and you put it in the wrong thing, you get no results. But a little faith in a big God, the God of the Bible, gets big results. Don't let any of these things keep you from taking this step. He wants to save your soul. So how do I take this step? The first thing you do is I accept Jesus as my Savior. And I love what it says in Acts 16, 31. It's so simple. See, we make it complicated, right? Humans make it complex. We make it complicated. But listen what it says in Acts 16, 31. Believe. Say it with me. Believe. Ready? Believe. Oh, we got to get way louder than that. Ready? Here we go. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be what? Saved. Now, did it say, do a bunch of good things, and then maybe he'll save you? I better hear a no. No. Thank you. See, out of the mouth of children, right? Amen? Did it say, you know what? Maybe you should get your life cleaned up, and then go to Jesus, and maybe you might pass the test. Does it say that? No, it says believe. Believe in the name of Jesus. He wants to save you. And there's somebody here today Right now, you know, maybe some of you like raised in church, but you don't know Jesus and you know you don't know and he wants to save you. But there's some of you that have been Christians for a long time. He has saved your soul, but you haven't allowed him to heal your soul. You haven't let him into your hurts, habits, and hangups. He doesn't just want to save your soul. He wants to heal it. But you need to accept what Jesus has done for you. I want you to think about something. There's something freeing when I, when I hear this, when I think about this. But the Bible says you are purchased by the blood of Jesus. You are not your own. You belong to him now. That means every bit of you, your past, present, and future are now his. All your hurts, habits, and hangups now belong to him. Do you realize he owns those past things? You're hurt right now. He's in charge of it. But are you submitting to him, to the one who's in charge of it? He wants to do that. Now listen, don't hear me wrong. Just because he owns it doesn't mean we aren't responsible. You see, the Bible describes our hurts, habits, and hangups as strongholds. 
So think about like, you know, the medieval castle, a stronghold. It's got the towers. And you see the flags right there. What's the first thing when an army or whatever? I can think of it was Robin Hood this week when I'm trying to think of a medieval movie. You guys got to help me out. But all I can think of, but when an army invaded the castle, what is the first thing they did when they took over? And if you say chopped off heads, you're demented. They raised the flag. They raised the flag and said, we own this now. We're victorious. We won this place in battle. It's ours. You see, that's the same thing with the Lord. Here's what's cool. God already owns the strongholds, the hurts, habits, and hangups. We just need to surrender them to him. We give it over to Satan. It's not his. Raise the victory that's on the cross through the blood of Jesus. That's what we have to do, but it takes surrender. It says, God, your will, not mine. I give you control. You see, we have victory over every hurt and habit and hang up through the cross already. That's what Celebrate Recovery is all about. It's surrendering the strongholds that already belong to Jesus, letting him redefine those hurt places and free you from the addictions. And the Bible says that the way we do this is primarily through our thinking. It says we need a renewed mind, our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, which leads to the next point. How do we renew our minds? Number two, I accept the word of God, the Bible, as the standard All scripture is God breathed. Are you breathing in? What are you breathing in? Because I know out in the world, it's pretty toxic what we're breathing in, right? Oh, come on. It's toxic out there. The things that are happening to you, it's toxic. Are you breathing in God's life-giving breath through his word? Remember I said, if Jesus sets you free, you're free indeed. Well, Jesus said it of himself. So we got this new dog, and we named her Kiwi. Is she cute? I know. I, I love, she's so cute. And, but we knew this. When we went to the SPCA, we knew that she had been abused, that she didn't have the socialization that dogs should have when they're little, and then she was a stray. So when we got her, we were thinking, man, we're going to help her. She's going to have all this freedom. But see, when she gets to our house, she confines herself to three couches, She runs to couch, to couch, to couch, and she barely will eat in our presence. She's just starting to trust us to eat in our presence, and she walks and runs along the side of the wall, and she, if she gets on the bed, it's going to be in the furthest back part of the bed. You see, she now has all this freedom. She lives with my family, and she can go anywhere she wants. She can eat anytime she wants. She can go out the doggy door anytime that she wants, but she doesn't. She has all that freedom, but she doesn't do it. So many Christians are the same way. Christ has set us free, but we don't embrace our freedom. We let Jesus save our souls, but there's places we haven't let him heal our souls. When Christ changed my life, I was almost 21, and I couldn't wait to hit the bars. I was so excited. I was 20, and when he changed my life, it rocked me. It was so foreign. It was so crazy. And so when he just freed me from all this stuff, immediately I stopped smoking, I stopped cussing. I just, it was just immediate. But I had deeper things, roots that I wasn't letting go of, things in my life I didn't even really realize at the time that he wanted to heal. You see, from a young age, I wrestled with depression, worry, and anxiety. I can remember in first grade, 
wrestling with depression. Now, I wasn't like, you know, I didn't know the word. I can look back and do it. I wasn't like, my clinical analysis was that Brian was depressed when he was in first grade. You know what I mean? But that's where it started for me. It caused me to strive to two extremes, either perfectionism, I had to earn love and approval, or just to give up and run. I remember striving to be the best I could at sports. Baseball, I loved playing baseball, but I had to be mistake-free. And even though I was one of the better players on the team, I worried I wasn't good enough, and I eventually wore out and gave up. I moved on to tennis where I won trophies, but was so exhausted from striving to be perfect that I quit because I thought, listen, I, I can't be good enough to earn those, their love and affection, those closest to me. I thought, if I do this, I thought they would accept me. By the time I was in high school, I was doing drugs, partying. I dropped out of high school several times. I was a second year senior. Music was my idol. I played guitar and was in bands, but I was addicted to worry and anxiety, drugs and depression. Then Christ's love broke through when I was 20 and found me, but my life was still full of hurts, habits and hangups I didn't realize. It wouldn't be until spring 2011 when the Lord began to deal with my past hurts in my life. I didn't realize how they were influencing me and others around me. At that point in my life, I came to a place where I couldn't trust my wife. I hated myself. And then at a spiritual retreat, the Lord clearly told me his day. Now listen, it wasn't like an audible voice. I can't express it, but he clearly told me this is why all this was happening. He said, you've slowly begun to believe that I don't love you or accept you. I was rocked. He was right. I was a pastor, but he was right. You see, I had begun to earn and try to win the approval of my Lord, and you can't do that. That's not the gospel. The good news is the gospel is that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We can't be good enough. Only Christ was perfect. At the time, I didn't know where the hurt exactly came from, but he began to remind me of some painful places and confront those strongholds, and to raise his flag over them. But I'm still in process. To this day, I use food as a comfort, and I struggle with weight. Remember I talked about a process? You see, I now have a son in baseball, and those feelings will start to creep in me. And I begin to transfer it onto him, but the Lord's dealing with me. I'm in process, and the Lord is healing those places. You see, I've said this before, but hurt people hurt people, Right? You know what I mean? Hurt people hurt people. That's why it's so important to let God heal those hurts. Otherwise, we hurt the ones we love the most. See, the problem is we often deal with the fruit of the problem instead of the root of the problem. You know what I mean? That's the problem. It'll never be healed unless we look at why we do the things, why I overuse, overeat, why I use nicotine, why I strove to be perfect in baseball, tennis, why I quit things. But the Lord will bring those to memory and say, I'm going to heal that. We're going to raise that flag. You see, you need Jesus to reinterpret those places. But let me tell you, it wasn't by myself that this happened. It was in settings like Celebrate Recovery, which we're starting on April 27th on Friday night, with other believers and with the word of God that I began to find healing. My mind had to be renewed with the Bible. But here's something, I don't even want to say this next sentence. This is what I needed. I needed people in my life. We can't do life alone. That's hard for me. I'm kind of a loner. 
I needed to be accountable, and this is a word I don't like, correctable to other believers in the word of God. And God has brought so much freedom. See, the pattern of this world is to cover up deep wounds, hurts, and caused by this living in a sinful world. And we often do this with habits and hangups. Celebrate recovery is not just for drugs and alcohol addiction. It is for that, but it's so much more. It's a place to safely explore the roots of why I try to control things. Why we overwork. Why we overeat. Or we become addicted to shopping. What? You mean shopping? People can be addicted to shopping? Yeah. To pills, to video games, or being busy. See, our souls need to be healed. We're breathing in that toxic air from the world. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. The Bible connects the strongholds to how we think. We are free in some areas, but the enemy in our flesh does not want to give up those places that have already been purchased. And we allow him to occupy those places. So here's a really way too long definition for strongholds. You ready? The word stronghold, we already know this can mean well-fortified city or fortress like a castle. A stronghold is a hurt that causes habits and hang-ups. Spiritually, it can mean a central place of agreed-upon thoughts and views. Strongholds are mindsets that keep us in bondage. Strongholds can be considered practiced ways of habitual thinking that bind us to bad habits, addictions, and lifestyles. And I'm going to show you that in second in Second Corinthians. But here's a really easy way to say that. Francis Fragpi, I don't know if he's got a cool name or a brilliant name, I don't know, or a crazy name. But he says this, bondage is a house of thoughts. You see, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Meaning how you think about and interpret the hurts and habits and hangups determine so much. Every bondage in our lives whether you've got a problem with eating or drinking or drug problem or pornography, pornography problem or spending problem, gambling, lust, video games, whatever it is the addiction is, every single issue is a thought issue. Now listen, it, it might derive from a root cause, but how do you think about that root cause? And for some of you, the effect is so huge that your emotions and your skewed logic are the engine driving your life. You see, every single bondage comes back to the mind, your thought life. If you change this, you change your life, but it has to be with the word of God. The only strength a stronghold, listen, this is important. The only strength a stronghold has in any believer's life is the power you give it. You're the one feeding it. You can either feed it the word of God or you can feed it garbage. You can either feed it what Jesus says or what the devil says about you. What are you feeding it with? See, it could be simply when someone called you. And this is, listen, this happens. I've met people when they were young. Somebody called them fat or somebody called them skinny. Or you lived in poverty. Or you were rejected by your mom or dad. Or maybe you were abused. That stronghold is built around something. And God wants to heal you. You need to deal with the root, not just the fruit. God doesn't want any of his children bound by anything. He wants us to refuse to let anything dominate us. He wants your mind set free. And the Bible calls it a battle. We're going to wrap it all up right now. 2 Corinthians 10. It's a battle. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war against the flesh. Now, he's not talking outside. He's talking about the church. And you'll see it in a second. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down what? Strongholds, hurts, habits, and hang-ups. 
casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's the Bible. It's the word of God that we use to tear those things down. And listen, it's this last part. Paul's writing this. Bringing every what? Thought into captivity. Every thought. Every thought. Every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Listen, any thought that you don't take captive will take you captive. Any thought you don't take captive will take you captive. And by the way, the word captivity means to capture by spear point, by force. It literally means to put in captivity. It's a word picture in the Greek. Remember the Roman soldiers? It's a picture of a Roman soldier taking his spear, putting it against the neck of an enemy prisoner, and marching it over and putting them in jail. That's what it's a picture of. That's what Paul is saying right there. And the word obedience is hupakoi, and it means to listen under Jesus in submission to what is heard. So it's anytime something comes in your life, any thought, anything that's not of God, you're supposed to take out the spear of truth, put it to the neck of that thought, and march it over to Jesus and say, you're going to sit under Jesus and listen to him. The voice of truth will speak into that. Not me, not the world, the voice of truth. We have to capture every thought, every thought. See, what this is saying is, I will not let a thought come into my mind or my heart without it being scrutinized by the word of God. And when a thought rises, within or without, it will sit under Jesus and listen to what he says. We're the ones that have to take control of our thoughts. You see, how many of you know this? But Satan and your flesh are happy to speak into your habits and hurts, right? How many of you know that? How many of you know they're happy? Hey, let me speak into that. They will be quick to speak into your circumstances right now. But we need to bring it into the light. We need the voice of truth. You know that voice of darkness that speaks to you? Well, you're not worthy. You're not good enough. Oh, God will never take you back. You're too unclean. Look at what you, I know your thoughts. They may not know your thoughts. You look clean on the outside. You're not clean. Give up. That's the voice from, straight from the pit of hell. And it's dangerous. And so many of you are trapped in it. You're not taking out the spirit of truth and marching it over to sit under Jesus and listen to his voice. You see, before the devil can defeat you, he has to disarm you. And he wants to disarm you of what our loving father wants to say to you. You have a spiritual spear called truth. So with any thought... Any thought comes and reinforces our hurts, habits, and hangups and begins to argue against what God says. We've got to take out that spear, put it up against the thought and say, I'm going to take you captive. You will not take me captive. And we have to speak the same words that Jesus is speaking over those things. Listen, it's not denial. It's not denial of the pain or the hurt. It's just a denial of the right for those strongholds and hurts, habits, and hangups to rule and reign over you. It's raising the flag of truth over those things. Letting go and letting God. Will you watch this video? I, I started looking at pornography when I was five years old. Uh, I found my dad's magazines laying around. Um, and, and that's when my addiction had started. But as my addiction to pornography grew, um, I realized that, uh, that I needed help. And, and it was only because I had gotten caught. Uh, it wasn't that I thought I had a problem. It was only 
to make my wife not yell at me or be angry with me. I found a program called Celebrate Recovery. I didn't want to go, and I fought it and fought it and fought it, but because I thought I was the only one that had that problem. Um, I figured, uh, you know, a godly person can't, can't be addicted to, to such a thing. And I never thought that God would be able to use me because I was so broken and so sick. I went to the program for about six months, and, and my wife wouldn't go with me because I had the problem. She, she didn't have any problems. Um, but it was later that I realized through the program, and, and, and my wife had started coming with me, um, that I was there for, for more than just an addiction to pornography. I was an alcoholic as well. Through my alcoholism, it, it made my use of pornography even worse. I would tear down my family and just be very hurtful. And that's, that's, not, that's not the man I wanted to be. We were also uh, going to counseling, uh, marriage counseling, because uh, of my issues. And the counselor had, us, had our family members and people directly close to the family write letters to me about how my addictions had affected them. <clears throat> my son wrote a letter that he was afraid of me, didn't want to be around me, and it tore me up. From that point forward, after reading that letter, five years later, I can I can say I've never wanted another drink. The Lord took that from me and cured me of my alcoholism. To overnight never want another drink, and and, and five years later I still don't want to drink. It's it's amazing how God can work work through you. And even when you think you don't have a problem, He's letting us know that there's more to this than than what you think. Uh, oh, it, it's. When, when we are obedient to him, he does mighty things for us. God's just put it on my heart to, sh to share my story. And I never thought that, that he would use a broken sinner like me. Uh, but he showed me that by being obedient to him, that he will, he's going to use my, my story to save somebody else. I pray that everybody out there uh, would stop denying that they have a problem. That's, that's the first thing about Celebrate Recovery is denial, admitting we have a problem and, and doing something about it. And only God can do that for you. And, you know, you're not alone, and that's what I always thought. There's many, many people out there, many men, many women, that struggle with the same things that, that we all think that we're the only ones that struggle with, and it's so not true. It's all from the devil. The, the change has, has been amazing. Not as nearly as angry as I once was. Uh, I, I, I try to be open and honest with my family. We, we can discuss things to where before, if anybody ever brought it up, uh, it was an instant fight. After I had quit drinking, my my wife had told me that uh, once my son had graduated, they had already made the decision that they were going to leave, and I it was I'm grateful that I, I quit drinking long before she ever told me that. Uh, you know, and now, 21 years of marriage, uh, and, and, and I just look forward to the next 40 or 50 years together versus before it was all about me. I, I, didn't, I never cared uh, about anybody else's feelings. It was only about me. The selfishness was, was terrible, and it, 
now to to be able to to live life the way God intends us to is amazing. I'm Tommy. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I struggle with lust, pornography, and alcoholism. It's powerful to live life as God intended it to be. Are you living life as God intended to be? There's some of you today right now that you're like, he hasn't even saved my soul yet, but he's knocking on my heart. I want to lead you through a quick prayer. There's nothing magical about the prayer. It's just really simple. Jesus, I believe in you, and we'll do that in a second. But some of you have been believers for a while. You're Christians. He saved your soul, but you haven't opened up for him to heal your soul. And he wants to go on that journey with you. It's a process. It's a process. Open your heart to Jesus. If you would just bow your head and close your eyes with nobody looking around, for maybe today, for the first time, you need to accept Jesus as your Savior. None of us could be good enough. Otherwise, Christ wouldn't have died. While we were still sinners, his enemies, Christ loved us and died for us. He was whipped and bled and took nails for you. He would do it just for you. If you're the only person in the world, he would do it just for you. That's how much he loves you. So just, you don't have to pray this out loud. Just pray this to yourself. Just repeat after me to yourself. Lord Jesus, I just ask for your forgiveness. Please just cleanse me from all my sins. Please give me new life. I need a savior. Save me, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that for the first time, we would love to see you at Next Steps in the back while the music is playing. But here's the deal. As we continue to worship, there's a safe place for you if you need prayer. If you have a hurt habit and hang up, you can go back to Next Steps. We want to pray with you there. And Nate and Andrea, who are leading our Celebrate Recovery ministry, are going to be right in this corner, this live sent corner right over here. They would love to pray with you. Listen, don't hold back. If Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart, you can let him in. Only you can let him in. You have that power. Let's worship. Let's stand. Let's sing to him.